my homilies uh, from Palm Sunday to last night, Holy Thursday, and then today um, are ending up being a sort of uh, kind of a triptych or a three-part uh, consideration of sacrifice and suffering. Um, I remember when I first started getting really interested in learning about God, just intellectually reading and all the rest, um, right out of high school. And those same things that I was particularly interested in then are what I am continue to be interested in now. And it generally, uh, a lot of different things, but, but the central focus of even my intellectual study as well as just as a priest has been uh, focused on the nature of suffering, the problem of evil. And I remember when I uh, first went to St. Thomas Aquinas on the question. And the way Thomas Aquinas kind of writes most of his writings, he begins with a question, and then he answers the question. First, he answers it in the negative, and then he answers it in, in the affirmative. But um, encountering the question whether God is the cause of evil. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. And uh, of course, I already answered the question in my mind, well, of course he's not the cause of evil. So it was very surprising when Aquinas said, he is the cause of evil. Hmm. I had to read further. How does this work? Well, God is the cause of evil insofar as he's the cause of all things. He's the first cause. He's not the immediate cause. He's not the cause of evil insofar as he would be uh, the guilt of evil or sin would be imputable to him or he would be responsible for people's actions, right? They're the immediate cause of evil. We are the immediate cause of evil. But he's the cause of evil insofar as he set the conditions by which evil could come about. He created all things. He gave human beings free will. Without all of that, you could not have the existence of evil, whether that be natural evil or, or moral evil. Um, in other words, somebody set up the dominoes and somebody knocked over the first domino, but they didn't knock over the, the last one, you know, that cause of evil, but they put the whole, you know, God put the whole thing in motion. Somebody had to create the dominoes and somebody had to set them up. You can apply this, of course, to um, all kinds of other issues relative to science, creation, etc. And so in this way, Thomas says, God is the cause of evil. Not that it's imputable to him, but he basically created the conditions by which we end up suffering. And so when we look at the question, why did God save us in this fashion, which is, a, I think, a really important question to ask, why did he do it this way? Why did he send his son to become man? And why did he will that his son suffer all of that evil and all of that hatred? Why did he allow his beloved son to suffer so much and ultimately die? Why did he do it that way? He's God. He could have done it other ways, we would have to presume. Well, one way to look at it is that as 
God is the, the one who created all things and gave rise to the conditions by which suffering and evil could exist. By sending his son, taking on our human flesh, entering into our reality, suffering as we suffer, God is in a very real way saying, I take responsibility for my part in this as well. I don't refuse to get involved and get close to you. Quite the opposite. I want to get so close to you that I become one of you, that I unite my nature with your nature and through your nature save you. But not before my son also experiences the depth of human suffering. And, and of course, we, we immediately think of, of the, all of the physical suffering that he endured, and, the, and then just all of the, the typical suffering a human being would suffer throughout his life. But even at the end, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That the Father allowed Jesus to experience complete separation from him. He had that feeling of, where did you go? You've left me. God has truly deserted me. Something he had never experienced in his divinity, God allowed him to experience in his humanity. For, from all of eternity, the, the, the Godhead is one, Father, Son, and Spirit. But by becoming man, the father could sort of shield his son from experiencing that divine element and just allow him to experience that human ele element so that we have a God who can say to us, I know what that feels like as well. Not only do I know what it feels like to suffer as a human being suffers, I know what it's like to suffer even that desolation, that sense of where did my God go? He's left me. And all of us who have felt that know that that is, in many ways, a deeper suffering than the physical. So why would God do it in this way? Well, I was thinking about this, and I think it's helpful to go back to our human experience and then what can that tell us possibly about God? And the reason we can do this is because we're told we're created in his image and likeness. So there are elements of us that are like God. We don't really say God is like us. It, it's more like we're a drop of water in an infinite ocean and God is the ocean. That's how we're like God. We're like God in some ways, but God is so immense. He is infinite. So, so we wouldn't say God is like us, right, if that makes sense. So we're like God. So there's elements of our being and nature that could tell us something about how God is. So thinking about this, then those of you who um, certainly are parents, um, any of you who have ever deeply loved someone, um, any of us who just love people in our life, 
And as a priest, uh, thinking about this, and, you know, I don't have the experience of being a biological father, um, but there's elements of my experience which perhaps are convertible to those of you who are fathers and mothers and spouses. You know, every day I think about you all the time. I think about those of you who are suffering, those of you who have asked for prayers. I am, in a sense, I think in a healthy sense, consumed with how can I love my people better? What more can I do to make their lives better? I think about you little kids. What can we do as a parish to, to show you how much we love you and appreciate you? And I think about, you know, you middle schoolers and, and high schoolers who are just going through that such a difficult time in your life. What can we do, you know, to be present to you, to help you to understand how much God loves you? And then young adults and young families and, and seniors, the whole thing. And you can ask the staff, what does Father John talk about? Well, he talks about, he loves to talk, he just loves to talk, hear his voice, you know. <laughs> but I'm sure they would tell you that he talks about you a lot because you're my family. I am truly, truly, I, I am filled with love for you. And those of you who are parents, you know what this is like, right? You work hard um, to provide for, for your kids and, and for your spouse, and you sacrifice for them. You, you, and sometimes we get distracted, there's no doubt, you know, and, and other things sort of take the place, and we got to bring ourselves back. But that dynamic for me, I think, is, is certainly what you experience as well. You are, you are consumed of what can I do for my family? How can I provide for my kids? How can I love my wife better? And then we're also confronted with our own weaknesses and failures and, you know, realization that, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a better man than I am. How can I be better? And why? Certainly for God, but also for the people I love. Okay, so I think that's our human experience, and I think that tells us something about God. If you look at Revelation, particularly you look at the scriptures, Old Testament to New, you have a God who is desperately in love with his people and constantly trying to reach out to them, to bring them back, to call them back from sinfulness, to, to try to get them more faithful, to to provide for them and to protect them. And, and sometimes he couldn't. And he didn't run away from suffering himself, and he didn't preserve his people from suffering either, that he understood that this was necessary. But that God himself, just like a, a loving father, a loving mother, a loving spouse, anybody who loves sacrifices. Anybody who loves sacrifices. And when we talk about sacrifice, we talk about actions that are made sacred so that the, the actions toward our spouse, toward our community, toward you, know, you as my people, uh, toward our children, toward our parents, it's not just love. I mean, that, that's a big word and it's, it's loaded and it means a lot, but the kind of love that we're called to manifest 
is a sacred kind of love, a making holy kind of love, and that means sacrifice. And all of you who are parents know what that is. You absolutely know what that is. But even you little ones know what that is, especially if you have siblings. You know what it means to have to sacrifice for your siblings and for your parents. And we all do it and, and you know, we learn in little ways, which are big for us at the time. And it's real. And as we get older, it becomes different. And sometimes that sacrifice takes on an added dimension of suffering. It just does. And by God sending his son to become man and suffer with us, he does say to us, the love that I have for you is holy. But it also means suffering. And since I am going to take that on myself, I'm going to call you to take it on as well. Because what's going to happen with my son's life is he's going to transform that suffering into sacrifice so that it doesn't just remain suffering, you know, meaninglessness, but it becomes holy. It becomes a holy act so that the suffering that we even, you know, will uh, willingly endure for those we love becomes a sacred, a holy act. And then Jesus calls us to follow him in that so that, <clears throat> so that all of our lives the whole of our lives, are made holy. Not just what we do here, which are sacred actions, but as you go out, the love that you give to your children and your spouses, you know, the whole thing is made holy. You are making each other holy. These are sacred moments throughout the entirety of our lives. And what does this do? It changes us. It changes us radically into little Christs, Christians, which is exactly what he's after. So if he did that, he says we have to do it too. And in doing that, we will gain the victory that comes after. Please stand. <clears throat>